Sanders, Strasser, Luciani, Joe, Oved, Duvois, Martinez, Mubutu, Ozu, Bokia, the list goes on and on, America, yo, on a time it was all about the rhyme, now somehow, it's all about rhyme, like we're all doing time, and yeah, we keep little prisons, I don't understand what y'all think that you're getting for your money, it's funny how we set up priorities, they pick school, press the poor or minority, the biggest criminals all get re-elected, you be naive, but somehow I expect it, more from the self-described land of the free, but life has a price, freedom has a fee, some of you might say that I'm unrealistic, cause I can't make these from the system statistic, you might have missed it if you weren't paying attention, the American gulags are definitely Texas, where we strike resemblance to something we should be for, that's the abundance of the second world war. Pinochet, Franco, the Shah, Batista, Diem, Mushar, Salazar, Marcos, Loriego, Trujillo, Hussein. Funded by a government, killing in a name. Most things are very simple. That's the complex. It's full of black and white. It's all context. Take black and white. Why is some more always opposites? More productive to focus on stopping this cycle of violence. Intimidation. We define each other by color, nation, station, and life. We love our religion. Instead of understanding that the world we all live in is big enough for all of us. Makes a room. No excuse in the way a few nations consume most of the world's wealth while millions of stars like Headstone carbon, your property is theft, we don't own this earth. Governments are just gangs fighting over turf and the mafia, military, industry of war, the thin red line between the rich and the poor. Bronco, Cedra, Cereza, Fock, Hassan, Papa Doc, Cordoza, Papadopoulos, Pol Pot, and Chung Hee, all butchers funded in the name of liberty. You tell me, does that sound like democracy? You'd have to be a zombie not to see the hypocrisy. Cancel freedom, but funding tyrants, free speech isn't free if it sounds like silence. Why is it news that Paris Hilton's drunk driving? It's not news, war machine is driving, people starving in the streets don't even make the back page. Some celebrities, sex scandals all the rage, they said it's had a separatism, pieces of idiotic, people falling for the fish. So idiotic, but then all government isn't all government. It answers to the rich, you and I just pay the rent. They sell endless war, endless fear, endless destruction, but the end is near. No matter how many crimes they commit, the name liberty is reborn like a phoenix in the flame. Welcome, folks. Welcome to the End Evil Podcast. My name is Chris Jansen. My website is endevil.life. I'm here streaming live on the OneGreatWorkNetwork.com every Thursday at 6 p.m. Pacific. I'd like to, as usual, um, give my thanks to the platform, the One Great Work Network, for providing this place for people like me who care about freedom and truth and natural law and that are out here trying to speak and spread the great work to others. I appreciate to be part of this um, awesome project, and I'm um, much thanks to the podcast and the work of Mark Passio that helped push me in this direction to do this work of speaking to folks about things that are 
really important. And um, the End Evil podcast was inspired by the book, The End of All Evil, by Jeremy Locke, which is a great book. If you haven't checked it out yet, do so. So who are you? Are you someone who is on the path? This uh, podcast is designed for people that are on the path, the path of learning, the path of truth, the path of understanding what is reality, what are we doing here, what are we doing with our time, and how to make um, yourself become a better person to contribute to the world that we want to live in. Because the world we're living in now has some major flaws with it, and not the planet or the earth, but the people on this earth that are um, committed to doing things in an evil manner. And it's time to change that. And we can do this. This is a project that we can take on, and it might take more than one generation. It might take many generations, but we need to be working on it, folks, to provide that future that we want to see for our children and their children. And just for the principle itself of truth and just for the principle of reality that we want to be part of aligned with that which is true and that which is right. And that's not really that hard um, except for the fact that everything else in our world is geared towards the opposite down the path of evil. So um, this week I'm going into an episode called The Battle of the Shadow. Last week I spoke with a good friend, Jonathan Wright, who I met through the One Great Work Network. And we talked about some of his struggles in life, and we talked about how to turn things around, and we talked about facing our um, darker self and our demons. And this week I have for you a presentation. But before we get into that, I wanted to talk a little bit about my website. If you type in endevil.life, it will take you to the website I've been working on for a long time. And you see here in the top left-hand corner, you can um, click on the menu, and here we're on the, the um, episodes, and you can look through the episodes and find um, on the right side, on the bar, there's something called resources, and here's, I want to talk to you about autonomy. If you hit this link here, it will take you to the autonomy, um, Experience Autonomy website, where you can find out more about um, working on your personal freedom in terms of how you take care of your own business and your own entrepreneurial future and um, whatever endeavors you might be working on. This is a great place to meet community and like-minded folks who care about freedom that are also working on um, actually trying to change things in their own work, in their own life. And a lot of that is taking control of our own um, dealings, business dealings, and stop being, um, you know, part of the farm and the slave grind. This is something I'm working on little by little. And I've found this amazing community through Autonomy, so I like to recommend that to folks. I also wanted to talk for a minute about an upcoming conference I'm really exciting, um, excited about because I'm going to be part of this and um, getting to be part of the planning of it. Uh, this is going to occur on February 12th and 13th of the beginning of next year. And this is the Funnel Conference, Freedom Under Natural Law. I've been meeting for quite some time now with between 8 and 10 individuals who are all um, people who have been studying 
natural law, studying about freedom, studying about the truth, all the occulted secrets, all these people um, that I've been meeting with for quite some time. We formed a group, and we've been working on this idea of how do we reach other people with the things we've come to realize and the things that we think are important that more people need to know about. And um, we've decided to put together a conference, and this is going to be an online conference with a bunch of presentations of regular people just like you and me who um, are just like really putting their effort and care into trying to help others and trying to um, do our part in this great work. So this is this is something to check out because this is very um, much an organic um, put together by just regular people conference that's coming up and it's something that I'm really excited to share with you because um, I get to be part of it. So the topics that we're going to cover are natural law, freedom, holistic health, medical fraud, parenting, self-defense, spirituality, community, and much more. Can't wait to share this with you. You can learn more about it at um, www.freedomundernaturallaw.com. And if you go on over to that website, there's um, there's some information about the presenters. We, we've all kind of written a little bio about ourselves. And um, and there's if you can see right in the middle there, there's a register here button. And I'd like you to go onto this website and hit that register button and, and sign up so, um, there's, so we know there's some interest. It would mean a lot to us to um, see attendees showing some interest. And um, it's going to be a lot for you to take in because this is a bunch of work from, like I said, eight, nine different people that have been working on these ideas for a long time and excited to share um, their presentations with you. So um, go ahead and sign up, and um, I'll be talking about this in coming weeks. But for now, we're going to get on with the show, as the saying goes. This week's episode is called Battle of the Shadow. This is going to be an ongoing series of the, the inner hero, finding your inner hero, and about really um, the spiritual journey and, like as I said, the path. So this is for those of you who are one great work warriors out there who are working on your own self and trying to become the hero that you have inside of you. And so this is also me working on my own self every day, every week, every month, studying these concepts and trying to think about what can we do to move the ball forward in this world to uh, stop evil from being the prevailing force. We want to put out more good, and we want to end evil. Part of the reason I look at it as ending evil is because a big part of this process is really just to stop doing certain things like lying. And that's one of the big ones that we're going to cover today in this discussion. But let's go ahead and move on to the first slide. Uh, we, we looked at a very similar slide a couple weeks ago, and I was talking about the things that we do in this process of becoming a better person, of finding our inner hero, of emerging as a hero in this world. This is a time for um, heroes. We need people to do heroic things. And what I mean by that is not just thinking about ourselves, but thinking about everybody, thinking about <clears throat> the principles themselves, the bigger picture, you know, things that are really important in life. So 
dealing with the things you have been avoiding in your life is kind of like the homework that needs to be done ahead of time before you can be in a place where you can really do something now. So um, that's kind of number one. Step one is dealing with the things that we've been avoiding. We all have things on our um, kind of like what we call metaphorically a monkey on our back. There's things in our um, psyche that are kind of weighing us down that need to be dealt with. Okay, So those are basic things. And then another deeper level going beyond that on the inner work on finding your inner hero and dealing with your shadow is to start analyzing what subjects, what things that come up in life from day to day are the type of things that give you an emotional reaction that make you angry, that make you sad, that make you feel guilt. It doesn't mean they're necessarily bad things and it doesn't mean what's triggering them is necessarily bad, but those are things, indicators of things that we want to be thinking about on this path that we want to understand. Our emotions are very much connected to our inner self. And it's a really interesting thing that I was thinking about recently in um, the imaginary discussion I sometimes have with um, the atheists of the world is if there's no um, if there's no creative force, if there's no divine energy, if there's no universal force, if there's no intelligence behind all of this, then what is it that that causes emotions. Why, why do we have emotions? Are they just for purely survival? If so, when you really analyze a lot of the emotions that we go through and the feelings that we go through in life, that doesn't explain why a lot of these emotions exist. Why do we feel guilt and shame and um, fear and sadness? You know, if this world was just about dog-eat-dog and get what you need for survival and there was no um, greater purpose, then why do we have all these other complex feelings and emotions that drive us to do things and care about things? People will go as far as, um, you know, going around the world and hunting people down and killing people because they've been convinced that something's so important that they believe in that they'll go to any lengths of torture to... Um, to follow through with their deep beliefs. So obviously these beliefs and feelings that people have are very real. You know, they will cause very real reactions in the real world. So that's an ongoing thing that we can work on, is just to consider and notice as we go through our life which things bring about emotional reactions. And then when we notice those things, we can spend some time thinking about why and look at them in some deeper ways. And we'll discuss some of that in future episodes. But for now, let's just give that some thought. Um, and then the most important of all is to stop lying to yourself. We've all um, been indoctrinated and cultured into a society that accepts lying constantly, lying about everything. You know, if you watch any sitcom show, the whole reason why the laugh track is going off um, nine times out of ten is someone telling a lie. It's really interesting. I, I just dare you as an experiment to see that I'm right. Put on your favorite um, funny, silly sitcom show, and every time the laugh track goes, ask yourself, are, what are they laughing about? What's really what's funny? And it's almost always um, about lying, either that or um, self-deprecating or humiliating someone. So lying is very common in our society. It's very common in, um, I think, the majority of people's minds because it happens on a large scale 
And it happens in many ways from the time we're young. We begin lying about silly things. And um, like, like Santa Claus, for instance, is just one that I've brought up in past episodes. And the Easter Bunny. And uh, it's good to pay taxes and the government cares about you. See all these wonderful lies we tell people that um, the homeless takes the um, the government takes care of the homeless, right? Isn't that true? What you know? Can't you see all how clean all the streets are? Yeah. So there's so many little lies we tell. They add up, and um, part of that's just becoming aware of all these lies, and to stop, stop doing it, and you stop doing that by being aware. And so um, what we're going to work on, and I think all of us, including myself, need to constantly keep working on this, is developing the conscience. Our conscience is our guide through life, and it becomes very dulled sense in a world that doesn't really care about these things. Um, so this is something we got to work on, inspire each other, inspire ourselves to work on, because there's no outside forces that are, you know, there's not going to be a program on television, you know, and there's not going to be a class in school that's going to remind you to develop your conscience. This is something we have to do on our own. So um, let's look at what is the meaning of conscience. It's an interesting word, con-science. The science of being together is what comes to mind. But according to um, Merriam-Webster, um, it's part of the mind that makes you aware of your actions as being either morally right or wrong. And number two, a feeling that something you have done is morally wrong. So pretty straightforward, simple. Um, it does seem like Merriam-Webster even is admitting in these definitions that there is a such thing as morally right or wrong, which is good because a lot of people I don't think are very sure about that. You know, they think it just depends on the person. And, and actually I did take out, um, if you read further on in Merriam-Webster and the number one definition, it does go on to say that, you know, morality is something that each person decides on their own. So the public mainstream view is one of um, moral relativism, basically, that everybody can make up morals and there's no inherent morality. But when we look at one of the most important documents of this country, the Constitution, it clearly says inherent rights, which means that rights exist uh, with or without the piece of paper or the, or the person saying it, inherent means pre-existing. So um, conscience, when I looked into the etymology, what really stood out for me, um, you know, it comes from to split or cleave with. There's um, a lot of breakdown of what these words can mean, to cut and divide. But um, I really highlighted here where it says, to know along with others what is right or wrong, or to know right or wrong within oneself. To know in one's mind, in one's own mind. And then um, literally it means with knowledge. So this is the knowledge that you can carry with you at any moment, at any time, wherever you go in life. It's always there. It's just as simple as accessing the conscience. So um, that's really an awareness, a, a reminder, a self-reminder and awareness 
to that that's something that should be done all the time. And so, um, as I said, there's not a lot of outside forces that are going to remind you of some such a thing. You're not going to get a letter from the government reminding you to um, check your conscience today. But you are going to get a reminder from the End Evil podcast. So there you go. So here's a good question. Why is it wrong to lie? This is something that I think is important to do um, when we're talking about anything. Um, philosophy is the love of wisdom. So what I often find myself doing is questioning things that, you know, everybody kind of thinks they have the answers to already. And um, ask yourself on a deeper level, what, what is, why do I believe this? Why does this matter? Why is it right? Why is it wrong? And then kind of argue with yourself a little bit on some of these subjects. So when we look at lying, what, what's really so bad about it? I mean, there's little white lies. There's little, if we just tell a lie inside of our own mind to ourselves and nobody else hears it, does it matter? You know, a lot of people would say, no, that, that doesn't matter. But I would say it does. I would say every little every little thing matters. And that even the way we think um, forms the patterns in our minds that um, play out the activities that we do. So even how we think about things. Do we think about things in a false way? Do we imagine ourselves doing things that we don't actually do? You know, do we tell stories about um, to other people about um, actions we do or don't do that aren't completely true? Do we exaggerate? You know, it's all on a, a scale. You know, there's an outright lie, and then there's sort of a, you know, kind of walking on the sides of a lie, and then there's, you know, a straight-up lie. So, as conscious, conscience, um, using our conscience and being conscious, uh, adults in this world, it's our job, it's our duty to... Um, be honest. And this is important. Why? It's important to be honest because part of the reality of your existence depends on it. Now that sounds like kind of a far out statement, but it's something that I've thought about for a long time. It's interesting. There's a, in the Bible, there's a, um, I think it's the first part of Luke where it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was God. And um, when you think about this on the level of philosophy, everything starts with an idea or a word, right? An idea becomes a word, and then a word becomes a reality. Words are used to construct things. How would we build anything without um, words? And then translating that words onto paper and images, you know, it all it all begins with this this thought, this idea. So the word is very important. It's an important part of reality. It's part of the forming of reality. And it, it's one thing that we have access to as as humans as a building block of reality. So um, we've been given this amazing gift, right, to, to actually be creators in this world. We can do things. We can change things. People have um, written, written books that have changed the minds of many people. People have... Um, Spoken out in front of crowds of people and changed the minds of many people. Um, strong leaders have pushed people in all kinds of directions, as I said, from good to, you know, bloody invasions. So all these based on words. The words can turn the tide. So why is it wrong to lie? 
It's wrong to lie because it's a form of stealing. If you were to tell someone that, um, if they ask you, hey, what, what kind of, um, how's the weather today? And you say, oh, it's a beautiful day. And you're lying, it's really raining. And they walk outside without their umbrella and they get completely wet and shivering cold. See, right away you, you, you stole something from them. You stole the opportunity to give them the truth, which you had. You did have the truth. And instead, you kept it to yourself, you know, and you gave that person a lie. So it's very much stealing in, in an energetic fashion. And it harms. It harms people to, because you've stolen from them the opportunity to know what's solid, to have solid ground, to, um, you know, for instance, someone walking instead, um, is it safe to walk down this bridge? And you say yes, and the bridge is actually broken and the person falls through to their death. That's a more obvious where you'd be able to see the harm in such a thing. But um, just like I said, any other type of lying, there is um, a scale of how bad it can be and a continuum of sorts. But um, all lying is forms of stealing. So this is one of the most accessible ways for individuals, you and I, to work on being a better person is to be honest with people even when it hurts, even when it's difficult to be honest. And then um, on the inner journey, on becoming a better person and working towards ending evil in yourself, it's being deadly honest with yourself. And that's a lot of ways that um, mistakes we make um, week to week in our personal lives, a lot of it is because we tell ourselves these stories. We convince ourselves that something is okay. We make justifications. And... We, we keep kind of skirting around an issue that we, we don't want to deal with. We do it with our own selves. You know what I'm talking about. We all do this. And so we can work on this. This is just a reminder for you and me and all of us to um, really think about how we're thinking and which things we're saying that are lies and whether we're taking part in this form of stealing on a day-to-day basis. So... If you're having trouble seeing your faults, some people I think might say, hey, you know, um, I'm a good person. I don't really do much wrong. I don't have that much to work on. <laughs> Maybe you're one of those people and then um, then you should be here teaching instead of me because uh, I have a lot of problems and issues. And the question is, how do you really focus in and figure out which ones are important and need to be worked on? Maybe you have so many issues you don't know where to start. <laughs> well, Here's my um, suggestions or ideas on how to know where to get started. And this is how to get in touch with the universe. The phone number for God, basically. Some of the things that will work. And some of these you might have to try together. And some of them you might have to try persistently. And um, an easy one's just quiet time. Sometimes you have to schedule some quiet time. Being alone. And this is really hard for some folks because some folks constantly fill in their time with other people. And that's great. That's awesome. That's part of why we're here on this earth. However, if you don't schedule some time to be alone, there's something you might be hiding from. And there might be a conversation with yourself that isn't happening because you're constantly in this loop of um, distraction. So a great way to be quiet and alone is to get out in nature go on a trail, go on a hike. Nature provides um, like the surround sound 
of the experience I'm describing when you're trying to get in touch with yourself or your deeper self or the divine universe. Nature is, I like to call, um, the living Bible. You know, like if if I were, you know, um, a god, for instance, you know, something that created planets and a universe, I would build into that a map, you know, so that when it peoples, when the little people pop out on the planet and they're confused about what they're supposed to be doing, all they have to do is look around. And the, the answers are etched into the very environment that the people live in. And so to me, it makes a lot of sense that the intelligence behind this universe and the divine intelligence is actually built into the code of nature. And that's one way for us to discover that language. But it's not, um, it's not like just me and you talking. It takes a little bit more of a, a look at symbology and um, being quiet and thinking contemplation. That's where the contemplation comes in and the listening. When you combine the sounds with the smells and the way you feel, you get this um, sort of surround um, surround feeling, and that will sometimes bring you new questions or new answers you're looking for, or help you to engage. One of the most important, I thought about making that word much bigger on this page, is gratitude. That's a great way to get in touch um, with the deeper parts of yourself and with the divine universe. I like to, in the morning, look around at trees or whatever nature I can see and just say thank you. Um, glad to be alive. Thank you for being here, you know, life itself. And thank you for um, this, this wonderful opportunity to experience another day. And that's a great way to get out of a funk, too, if you're not in the best mood, you're not feeling good. Um, thankfulness is a gratitude is a way to sort of restart yourself. So it's a practice that should be done regularly, and I highly recommend doing that. Oops, there we go. Um, and then community. Like I said, it's great to be with other human beings, and it's part of why we're here. You know, we're not a solitary species. We're uh, group people, and we're um, being around other people is energizing, and it helps us to learn and see other perspectives. Extremely important part of the journey. And I've found oftentimes when I'm stuck on something in my mind and I'm kind of going around and around on something, when I'm talking with other people, sometimes it breaks loose just what I needed, that piece of information. Or somebody else will tell a story from their life or someone they know, and it'll be just kind of what I needed to hear at that moment and help me figure out what it is I'm trying to understand. So we're all pieces of the whole, so the more we combine ourselves with the other pieces around us, the more we start to form that puzzle that's reality. By ourselves, we're just one little piece of that, and it's more difficult. So what is the shadow self? This um, episode, The Battle of the Shadow, it's all about the shadow. So what are we talking about here? What is the shadow self? Well, it's a part of ourself that's hard to look at. It's um, like I described in an earlier slide, we have these emotional triggers. And sometimes those are indications of that that shadow self is somewhere um, lurking around, you know, and it's time to figure out what's going on with it. The shadow self can be the effects of our actions and thoughts. 
So when we're um, when your mind's kind of wandering at work, or when you're laying in bed before sleep, and you're thinking about the problems of yesterday or the problems that might happen tomorrow, a lot of times what we're thinking about is the effects of the things we said or the things we did, and how is that going to affect other people? How does it make us look? You know, and there's this sort of imagined projection of how I look to other people or how I might look in the future to other people. And this is me projecting myself. This is my shadow. And then there's the guilt and the trauma and the emotional wounds that have built out through your life. And these travel with you. They A lot of times they don't go away. It's really hard to deal with these things. That's why people have to go and see psychiatrists. And that's why people read books. And maybe that's why you're here now trying to figure out your um, spiritual journey and your path and what you're supposed to be doing with yourself. So we have these trauma. Um, I like Eckhart Tolle describes this trauma body. And he describes it as um, like a part of ourself, just like our emotional self. And there's this trauma self. And this is really the part that we want to keep hidden. It's easier. It seems easier to keep it hidden. It's really not because it um, it's going to travel with you forever. So you can imagine if you're carrying this big weight with you everywhere you go, this emotional weight from traumas, almost like um, an actual wound. When you get an actual wound, it like let's say you get a burn, it blisters up, or you get a cut, it, it gets a big scab on it. Well, if you never take care of it and you, it doesn't ever actually heal, it just keeps getting worse. You can imagine this growing scab or this growing blister. And that's like our emotional wounds that are not dealt with. And they can take physical form and cause sickness in many ways. I'm very sure of this. But um, I'm not an expert on that subject, so uh, I will move on to my next slide. So what, do we, what happens when we do these things? You know, when we make these moves in our life and we examine ourself on the deeper level and we think about what really matters and the problems that are holding us up and um, we take it seriously this spiritual path eventually we're going to get to an existential crisis and this is the exposing of the shadow self I chose this picture of um, Peter Pan and his um, battle with his shadow and I thought it was appropriate uh, in that particular slide he was like grabbing hold of his shadow and tossing it around, trying to um, get it to behave properly. But this is sort of the battle that we go through um, when we really look at our, our trauma self and maybe the trauma we've caused for other people in life. When we go through these processes of figuring out what's holding us back from being the person we want to be, eventually you're going to have to um, have this sort of battle, this um, there's something that you've been getting wrong. There's something that needs to be realized. And every time we live another day, there's more opportunities to go through this. It might not be as... Um, every time might not have to be quite as traumatic as we get better at this. Just like anything you do, the more you exercise, the stronger you get, the better you get at it. So eventually you can be flying around the room like Peter pan tossing your shadow around telling it what to do instead of it tossing you around telling you what to do but this begins with exposing the truth and getting it out in the open so we can see it in the light as we could say 
And that's being conscious, like I said, and using your conscience. So this is a difficult path. It's not an easy one. And then, you know, the path I'm describing, going down the spiritual path, you reach some sort of awakening. What oftentimes you're realizing is um, something kind of grim and difficult. It's not a happy thing. <laughs> it's an existential crisis. Oh, now I have to do things differently. Or now I have to get a different job. Or, you know, now I need to make amends and call these people and apologize. Or now I need to start my own business because I can't work for the government anymore. Whatever it is, it's going to be something difficult. It's not going to be um, a happy realization for the most part. <laughs> because we're living in a fairly evil world. So most of the things going on, the traumas and the things we're hiding from, when we discover them and we look at them, they tend to be not happy things. They tend to be ugly, scary, difficult things. But there's on the other side of that, there is victory. And realizing that you've worked through these things or you've climbed this cliff that has been holding you back or you've gotten around this obstacle um, you gain incredible things of the type of person you are and the things that you're able to do. The things I'm able to do now, um, I thought unthinkable a couple years ago. It would have seemed very much impossible that I would have all these episodes on my website of all these podcasts I've done when I first, when I was on my very first one. You know, it would have seemed impossible. So the more we work on these things, the easier they get. The more we condition ourselves, the more we have strength to do this work and expose the shadow self and shake it out instead of having it build up and be this um, trauma body that we're carrying around like a burden that's keeping us from our full potential. So what we're describing here is the inner war. And, you know, this always goes on to some extent, but I think many times people mute this war and keep it kind of off to the side or in the back corner of their mind by turning on the television or, um, you know, drinking a few more alcoholic drinks or um, going out and hanging out with people at every moment so we never have to stop and think about what's really going on. What's what's difficult about the inner war is what I just described, is that it, it always involves some sort of realization or revelation. And what's interesting about that is that when you think about what those words really mean, to have a realization or to have a revelation, that means you had to be wrong. You know, that means before you came to the realization, you were totally thinking about things in a certain way and you were missing something very important. There was a big part of the picture you weren't seeing. Or there was, um, the way you were seeing it was completely off base. So anybody in life that's had some sort of realization or revelation knows that, that we can have these type of um, experiences where we realize, oh my gosh, the way I've been thinking about it was wrong. And once you come to that, you have to also come to the understanding that that can happen again. There can be a lot of other things that you're still thinking about in an incorrect way and come to another realization or revelation. So there's a big part of becoming a wise person that realizes that if there's more of that work to do, I better get on it. <laughs> so I don't have to be surprised, so surprised every time. Okay, and part of that is dealing with the stories that we're telling ourselves. And are the stories we're telling ourselves appropriate? Or are they exaggerating? Are they making things easier for us? Or are they actually making things harder for us? Um, only you can tell because you're the one telling these stories in your own mind. 
So part of that is becoming aware of what stories you're telling yourself. I think a lot of times this becomes a subconscious event, a subconscious function that many people go through of telling stories and justifying actions and telling little white lies and not even realize, really realizing how often we're doing these things. So for many people it takes hitting rock bottom to come to these realizations or these revelations. Um, in many ways in life, that's what the that's what brings about the midlife crisis or the um, existential crisis that I described in the previous slide. In some way or another in life, we hit rock bottom, and you don't have to go that far. You know, you can realize something sooner than later. That would be better. That's part of the goal of the End Evil podcast. I think to myself. When I was uh, 20 years old or 25 years old, there were a lot of important truths that I really hadn't grappled with yet. And I thought I knew everything. But, you know, obviously I had a lot to learn. So if I could find my 22-year-old self and shake him and be like, hey, or watch this, I'd show him the End Evil podcast. So I think that's my audience out there is, is people like me that are on a path, that are curious that are trying to figure out what's going on, that have questions in their mind, and they're not afraid to ask these questions, and they understand that freedom is important. And they come across one thing and another thing, and maybe they wind up here, and they go through this work, and all of a sudden we're working together, and next thing you know we're all on the end evil server, and we're giving each other um, ideas on how to be a better person, sending each other emails, meeting in groups, and we're forming committees, and next thing you know, we're forming action groups and we're getting things done in the world. That's how it works. So if you're doing your work and then you're preparing yourself to be part of those people that are going to be the changers and the doers in the world. So um, I've brought up it's I've brought up the Bible a few times in this episode, which is kind of strange. Um, I don't come anymore from a religious point of view. I don't um, recommend looking at the Bible as like the divine word of God. I, I think there are parts of it that say things that do align with reality and that do align with um, the intelligence, the great intel intelligence. I hesitate to even use the word God because it gets misconstrued into this anthropomorphized character of the glowing idol with the lightning bolts or somebody who sits in the clouds and makes decisions like a human. And I really don't see it that way. I really see the great intelligence of the universe as natural law itself is the reality of what we are experiencing. Yeah, every little facet of it, it has a, a code within it. And everything, everything you can imagine, that's the great intelligence. It's like one giant um, supercomputer and we're just parts of it. you know, And we're given this opportunity to um, make decisions and be part of the co-creation. But the bigger whole thing is what I see as the great intelligence. Anyway, I'm working on a whole nother um, presentation. That's for the funnel conference where I'll describe to you more about my views and um, understanding of the divine connection, the ultimate connection, I call it. But the point being, um, I pick some things out of the Bible from time to time because I think it's an excellent, it's an ex uh, excellent place to find 
metaphors, information. There's awesome poetry in there. There's great historical artifacts, and there are many truths as well, also mixed with strange stories that we're not sure why they're there. But um, I like this part about Jacob wrestling the angel, and this came to my mind when I was thinking about the inner, the inner journey, the battle with the shadow. And I'm going to read to you, um, from this is from Genesis chapter 32. And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed against him, that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint, and he wrestled as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. So who was he wrestling the whole time? He was wrestling himself. And he was telling himself, you know, give up, you know, do what I want, you know, bend to my will. And his self was like, um, I'm you, man. <laughs> you know, you're only hurting yourself, you know. And that's like this lesson that we get in life over and over through everything we do is, uh, you know, this battle with our own self. Ultimately, what is it that holds us back from doing anything? It's it's our own self for the most part. And in this modern day and age we live in, you know, we talk about on other folks like myself on the One Great Work Network, um, Mark Passio, we've talked about slavery, right? This is the human condition that we're in, is slavery. And people really um, choke on that word. They're like, no, that's 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 too extreme. But part of the reason it's hard to, to see is because many of us live in some level of luxury. You know, we got heated houses, we got hot water. You can go in and outdoors whenever you want. You can go get in your car, drive anywhere you want. Seems like you got quite a bit of freedom, right? It's like you can almost do anything you want. So that's not slavery, right? That's freedom. But what is it that um, really pins us down and makes us do things? You know, and and when you really start thinking about what that is, you're going to get deeper into um, the conflicts that arise when we when we when we try to make decisions. Um, based on what's right instead of based on what makes more financial sense or what other people think you should do. So, you know, having these little um, freedoms, like, you know, when I want to leave my house and when I want to come back are great. And it's awesome to have that level of autonomy that we can make these decisions. However, it's um, short-sighted to see that as freedom itself because freedom itself is much bigger than being able to make a few small choices. What's important to recognize is that we, in this modern age, have the ability to fight things like censorship, to fight things like tyranny because we have quite a bit of tools at our disposal. And if we were to work together with other human beings in an organized way, we could completely stamp out um, evil and coercion. We could not stand for it. 
But many of the reasons that we can't do that is because people don't have enough alignment within their own self to really um, be part of a community. And we're so fragmented that, um, you know, people are fighting with themselves in their own mind. And so it's difficult to not do that out, outside of the self when you're doing it inside of the self. People have a lot of hard time getting along. That's one of the major obstacles to forming groups and forming communities and um, like I'm describing, like action groups, is that we have these incredible resistances within our own self that haven't been dealt with yet. So when until we deal with these things, it's, it's going to make it a lot harder for us for, to take action in the world and create freedom for other people. Um, next slide. Dealing with the skeletons in your closet. Many of us have been dealing with... This is kind of just a, a little bit of a deeper dive into some of the actual things that are the um, traumas that are haunting people. And these have to do with feelings of guilt and shame and feeling unworthy and, um, you know, addiction to various things. Um, history of abuse... Trauma cycles, you know, abusing others, being abused. Generational trauma, seeing it happen from adult, you know, from the parents to the children and then those children to their children. And then the cultural indoctrination. All these feelings of guilt and shame and unworthy, a lot of them are centered around um, whether it's a religion that the whole family is part of or everybody in your area is part of this political movement, whatever um, pressures they're on, exterior pressures from other people in your groups of community that make you feel all these other feelings of guilt and shame and unworth and lead you towards addiction and continue the cycle of abuse. So how do we get past the skeletons in our closet? How do we get past all this negativity, the evil in the world, and are able to see clearly? Um, I went to Alan Watts. Alan Watts is a great writer, and he has some really good points. And in this particular little um, audio excerpt I'm going to play for you, he describes what I think is kind of the core of what I was trying to get at um, a little earlier, of understanding of what the divine, the great creator, the great intelligence is, and how we can kind of explain that to other people. You would think but that I'll, the I'm just idea of the universe as being the oops I think I accidentally skipped past that episode oops we're gonna listen to Alan Watts here you would think that the idea of the universe as being the creation of a benevolent old gentleman although he's not so benevolent he takes a sort of this hurts me more than it's going to hurt you sort of attitude to things uh, you can have that on the one hand and if that becomes uncomfortable, you can exchange it for its opposite. The idea that the ultimate reality doesn't have any intelligence at all. At least that gets rid of the old bogey in the sky in exchange for a picture of the world that is completely stupid. Now, these ideas don't make any sense, especially the last one. Because you cannot get 
an intelligent organism such as a human being out of an unintelligent universe. The saying in the New Testament that figs do not grow on thistles nor grapes on thorns applies equally to the world. You do not find an intelligent organism living in an unintelligent environment. Look, here is a tree in the garden and every summer it produces apples and we call it an apple tree because the tree apples. That's what it does. All right. Now here is a solar system inside a galaxy and one of the peculiarities of this solar system is that at least on the planet Earth the thing peoples. <laughs> In just the same way that an apple tree apples. Now maybe two million years ago somebody came from another galaxy in a flying saucer and had a look at the solar system and they looked it over and shrugged their shoulders and said just a bunch of rocks and they went away. Later on, maybe two million years later they came around and they looked at it again and they said, excuse me, we thought it was a bunch of rocks but it's peopling <laughs> and it's alive after all, it has done something intelligent. Because, you see, we grow out of this world in exactly the same way that the apples grow on the apple tree. If evolution means anything, it means that. But, you see, we, we curiously twist it. We say, well, first of all, in the beginning, there was nothing but gas and rock. And then intelligence happened to arise in it, you know, like a sort of fungus or slime on the top of the whole thing. Uh, but we're thinking in a way, you see, that disconnects the intelligence from the rocks. Where there are rocks, watch out. Watch out. Because the rocks are going eventually to come alive. And they're going to have people crawling over them. It's only a matter of time. Just in the same way as the seed, the acorn, is eventually going to turn into the oak. Because it has the potentiality of that within it. Rocks are not dead. You see, it depends on what kind of attitude you want to take to the world. If you want to put the world down, you say, oh well, fundamentally it's only just a lot of geology. It's a stupidity. And uh, it so happens that uh, there's a kind of a freak comes up in it which we call consciousness. And that's an attitude that you take when you want to prove to people that you're a tough guy, that you're realistic, that you face facts, and that you don't indulge in wishful thinking. It's just a matter of role-playing. And you must be aware of these things. They are fashions in the intellectual world. On the other hand, if you feel warm-hearted towards the universe, uh, you put it up instead of putting it down, and you say about rocks, they're really conscious, but a very primitive form of consciousness. Because after all, when I take even this crystal here, which is glass, and go... Well, it makes a noise. And that response, that resonance, is an extremely primitive form of consciousness.
Our consciousness is much more subtle than that. But when you hit a bell and it rings, you touch a crystal and it responds, inside itself, it has a very simple reaction. It goes jangle inside, whereas we go jangle with all sorts of colors and lights and intelligence, ideas and thoughts. It's more complicated. But both are equally conscious, but conscious in different degrees. That is a perfectly acceptable idea. See, all I'm saying is that minerals are a rudimentary form of consciousness, whereas the other people are saying that consciousness is a complicated form of minerals. What they want to do is to say everything is kind of bleh. Whereas what I want to say is hooray, you know, life is a good show. So there you have it. Life is a good show. And I think that's a great way to look at things. Alan Watts' point of view is to, um, it's kind of like an optimistic way of looking at the world and the universe. I think it's closer to reality, and that can be tested. Uh, I would challenge you to look at your life in a um, different way and um, look for the mystery, ask yourself the deeper questions, and see if you don't um, find yourself having some realizations. I can almost guarantee that you will if you take that path, if you take that journey, you'll find some exciting things will happen. So here's some of the um, here's some of the summary of discussion is um, what we want to be doing with ourselves in the coming weeks is to face facts about ourselves about the world to not indulge in wishful thinking to accept criticism um, don't catastrophize well what I mean by that is some of this can be pretty overwhelming when we look into ourselves and we find things about ourselves. And we're going through these processes of um, considering things that are hard to consider. It can be overwhelming. It can it can take you down a notch. And so it's important to put things into perspective and to realize that it's just a process you're going through. And don't don't catastrophize it. It doesn't mean that um, things can't change. Things can change, and you have the ability to. And that's why you're doing this work. Give yourself some time and some patience. That's one of the best things we have in this life and this universe is time and patience. That's our gift from the universe, from the creator. So treat your inner child with care. A good friend I met from autonomy recently reminded me the importance of my inner child. And um, how would you treat a four-year-old, she asked me. Well, you want to treat your inner self with the care that you would treat a small child. And so um, be patient with yourself. Be calm. Um, We'll get these things figured out. It's not going to happen overnight. It's a process. And the last um, phase, I would say, in the battle of the the shadow is to find peace in your soul. So um, eventually turning things around, seeing the silver linings, finding a way to be the optimist even in the worst of times. Um, You have to be realistic, but we can manage our expectations and make smaller goals and um, see what we can do. You know, a lot of times that the whole project seems under uh, overwhelming, you know, ending evil. But here's what I can do is I can make a podcast every week. And um, if someone emails me, I can email them back. And if someone wants to come on my show, I can give them that opportunity to come on my show. And I can share it with people. 
So, you know, there's little things we can do that um, that are real that we can do. And I, I like to say um, to think of what is best for all concerned. So it's important to nurture ourselves and look at ourselves and look at ourselves in the mirror, become a better person. But in the end, um, why we do things, why we make decisions is not just for our own self. It's for what's best for all concerned. So we have to think about the freedom of other people and, and um, the freedom of future children and what decisions are going to aid that. So not only yourself when making decisions, think about what's best for all concerned. And we need to take our physical, mental, and spiritual selves and um, work on those together holistically. So holistic practices. So here are my recommendations for you. These are things to take into your following week and um, to work on. I'm going to be working on myself. Basically becoming conscious of the unconsciousness. The unconsciousness is where we store all these um, desires, hopes, dreams. And day to day we just shove all kinds of stuff there. There's all kinds of stuff in the unconsciousness. When you think about your body, how many... um, things that you do do you actually consciously think about you know and how many of your body's functions are autonomous that they happen on their own you know do you tell your body when to poop or does it tell you you know there's a lot of unconsciousness going on and um, we can become more conscious and more aware of those deeper layers of ourself but it's just about um, having the will to do that and to turn that light on um Carl Jung said, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. And one last quote from Alan Watts. But I'll tell you what hermits realize. If you go off into a far, far forest and get very quiet, you'll come to understand that you're connected with everything. That's the tree of life. And that is... Part of the key and the secret to ending evil in this world is to recognize that we're part of the greater tree of life, that we're part of everything, and um, that's the divine connection. So, folks, thanks for coming this week. I really um, appreciate those of you who are able to watch this episode, and um, I would really like you to go on over to endevil.life and check out more episodes there, and you can go to the End Evil Life um, donate page. That'd be great. And make a donation. I need some help getting a new microphone. Thanks a lot to Todd. Appreciate it. Todd just gave me a little um, boost towards my microphone. Awesome. A big boost. And thanks to the other um, folks who have contacted me. Brian, appreciate it. Good to talk to you. And um, good friend, um, who um, contacted me and gave me some pirate coin. So thanks, folks, who have um, contributed to End Evil. This is the project we all need to be working on. So um, with that, I'll end the show, and I'll be back next week End Evil to End Evil. Evil is the destruction of freedom.
I'm a really for free. It's like ever be to help me. Store my thoughts out. Keep on pushing when I want to drop it. I remember two by the boot used to sing to me. Have a feeling like a rapper was a thing to be. A way to tell my stories, express myself. But I'm a rage and my pain and even ask for help. And now I'm in the limelight because I'm rhyme tight. Three minutes is a star. Gotta shine bright. Trying to do what's right, not just what's easy. It's hard to be righteous in the world. This is easy. Nothing but love for my folks and the struggle with the playing the game. I'm calling the hug. 